You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Oh boy, back from vacation and ready to roll and hang out with all of you fine people that are sitting in this digital podcast room known as the independent music scene. I wish we could all be in the same room together, but we'll have to settle for this podcast and we'll have to settle for this discussion. But it's no settling because this chat is top shelf. I am so glad to bring on Colin H. Van Eekhout from a band called Amon Ra. And Amon Ra, I will completely admit, just absolutely off of my radar. Like I had maybe heard the band's name before and I realized that they are putting out some music, but it wasn't until the most recent launch of their Relapse debut, and this band's been around for 20 years, that I got into them. And I really, really enjoy the fact that a band can release a new record and you can just dip in and all of a sudden become obsessed with them, because that's exactly what happened. And it was, uh, I, I can't even remember why I checked out, but it was probably like a feature in Decibel or something like that. But I decided to listen to Amon Ra, and they are just like everything I enjoy. Dark, heavy, brooding, really long songs, very contemplative, complentative, I don't know, whatever. You get what I'm saying. Music. And uh, I was like, okay, they put like, I got to find out more. So did, you know, some, some Google sleuthing and then discovered that they have been in bands before or part of the hardcore scene. And just, ugh, I was like, okay, this conversation is made for me. So then I reached out to the publicist, we started talking and then this is what happened. But I just, I love Amon Ra. It's probably going to be one of my favorite LPs of the year. And uh, you should check it out. If you are a fan of anything, Neurosis, Isis, long brooding songs, which that's like completely in my wheelhouse. You have to listen to this band. Their entire recorded output has that level of quality that just is, I I was just so thrilled to find it. So first off, besides listening to the interview, you can always email the show 100 words podcast at gmail.com. It's always open, always ready to receive criticism or ideas or anything. If you just want to say what's up, totally, totally down for that. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps this show, helps visibility. And then tell your friends, if you are a podcast listener and you listen to this show, you can tell your friends. Be like, yo, check out this interview. Check out this show because that's the best way for this whole thing to grow. And because uh, I don't, you know, I don't know, like paid marketing, I'm not doing anything besides promoting my stuff on social media. And uh, yeah, so word of mouth, that's, that's the key, right? So tell your friends. And uh, let's talk to Colin, because <laughs> Belgian hardcore band, when I say Belgian hardcore band, like that, he he grew up in that scene and still has so many ties within that community. And uh, I was excited to talk to him about the band, his life, and just so much more. So here's my discussion with Colin, and uh, which I'd like to call a friend now, because, uh, you know, after we hung up and, you know, we've traded some emails, and he's just, uh, he's a great human being. So here is Colin from Mom and Raw. I will fully admit, I literally never listened to your band <laughs> up until yeah. this, new, this new record. And I feel stupid because 
uh, it's one of those things I've seen your name forever and I have known that you've existed within the hardcore and metal scene for many, many years, but just never listened to it. And then I'm sure you've experienced this too with music where you listen to something and then you're like, oh, I'm an idiot. I should have been listening to this for years. Like what's wrong with me? Um, is it fun for you to be able to hear those experiences like, you know, of what I just described and a person can still, you know, listen to your music and you've, you know, released a lot of stuff and they can still yeah. get into it. Is, is that, yeah, is that fun? Yeah, it is. It's interesting to see, like, yeah, the world is a, is a, is a very big place, you know? So yeah, there are definitely a lot of territories where no one, has heard of us or, or, you know, uh, so, um, it's really cool to still be, uh, discovered, you know, so it, it actually means that we, 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 we still make, uh, uh, things that matter, you know, <laughs> apparently. So, uh, that's a nice compliment in a way, uh, that it's not only our old albums that, that speak for themselves. So, um, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, uh, it's funny sometimes when you're on tour in the States or something, uh, somewhere, you know, in the middle uh, of your country and, and, and someone comes up to the, to you and goes like, Hey, do you already have an album? And you go like, yeah, we have like eight of them or, you know, like 10 of them you can choose. So it's funny. Right. <laughs> it is. It's true. Cause I know that anybody that's ever played in a band experiences that where, um, you have that person that comes up to your merch table and is like, Oh, I just found out about you guys. Like, you know, are, are, are you touring? And like, yeah, we have been for 18 years or, you know, yeah, it's funny, but that's cool. I mean, yeah, like I said, you know, it's nice, you know, it, 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 it would be, it, it would be worse if you would assume that everybody knows you already, you know, that would be a bad thing. So, yes, uh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think it is special what you're talking about where, a person can find out about your music, you know, early on in your, your career and then be able to follow you along and hopefully still enjoy the music that you put out. Whereas a person like myself who gets into, you know, your latest release and then works backwards and says, Oh, like I, I like the old stuff, but man, this new record's really good. <laughs> like that's, it's kind of my favorite, you know? And it's, it's interesting how you can look at both of those, those experiences with, with art. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's um, so everybody has a different perspective or a, bif a different reference. Then you know, when, when, in your case, the the this album kind of draws you in, and then you go back and, and look at the the other albums, you know. But but the new album will be your reference point. While as other people, you know, that that got into it earlier have other albums as a reference point, and and there's a whole like wild dynamic uh there so so yeah it's it's interesting and like i said i kind of i kind of see it as a as a compliment in a way that you know after 20 years we're still relevant you know not only to ourselves but to 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 other people or to new people so yeah i'm grateful that that can happen yeah so yeah exactly yeah it's it's much better than someone being like Oh, you know, like you're the, I'm sure the press that you have done with, uh, you know, German folk who are like, oh yes, your new album is released and it's not as good as the last one. Why is that? <laughs> yeah, can I have, yeah. Have, well, they, they, most of the time they don't really have the balls to say that to my face. So that's, I can appreciate that, you know, right? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> well, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I mean, obviously there are people that will, you know, like other albums. You always have that. Yeah. Everybody yeah, has his uh, his opinions and his and his taste. So uh, 
it's only normal, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I think you hit, you spoke to it well when you said it's a reference point where mm-hmm. some people can get into a band and then that, that is their version of the band and it's just going to either change or evolve over time mm-hmm. or you're yeah. only going to like that one record. Yeah. Yeah. It can, yeah. It can go all directions for sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so putting the focus on you as a person, um, were you actually born and raised in Belgium? I, I don't know the sort of biographical nature of you. Yeah. <laughs> so were yeah, you born yeah. and raised there? Yeah, we were, we were all born and raised in, uh, in, 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 uh, West Flanders. And that's a small part of Belgium. Belgium is already a country that is extremely small in comparison to your country. I mean, I think our country is the size of, of one state in your country or something like that. Right. So, uh, yeah, we all grew up pretty much in the same area. You know, we, we, we lived in the same, uh, most of us lived in the same city. Um, and, um, yeah. So, so, yeah. so we've, we've been, we, we went to school together, some of us. And, and, uh, yeah, we, we've, we've known each other since we were teenagers pretty much. Right. And I, I've only been to Belgium once and it was a very quick trip. So, I, you know, I only have a very small experience there, but the, um, I'm going to guess that an American's picture of what Belgium looks like, you know, uh, sweet, sweeping, sweeping hills, a lot of forests, like that sort of stuff. Is that, uh, is that accurate or is that uh, not very accurate? To, uh, to a certain degree, you know, like half of the country is, is, is more in that direction. But it's as it is, like I said, a very small country. They have the, the tendency was to like fill it up with concrete. It's like one big parking lot, uh, pretty much. Though, no. Uh, so yeah, you have you have a little, you know, um, you have a foresty foresty half of the country, and then the other the other part is is pretty much uh, uh, one highway next to another, and 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 uh, fully f- filled with co- with concrete. But it has a rich history, though. I mean. Um, um but yeah yeah it, yeah. Was, it was it was the go through country when there were wars and shit they always fought it out on our turf that was right. the place to be yeah right yeah <laughs> that's true it's not like uh you know Sw- switzerland where they tried to stay you know neutral i mean belgium well, you know yeah we, tr- yeah we tried that we tried that for a while right. but they, they, they didn't take us seriously, apparently. They just went like, get out of our way, you know, and they did that thing anyway. So anyway, right. we tried. Right. <laughs> yeah, they're like, uh, it's such a small country, we could just uh, stomp right over it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Step yeah. What, um, so what was your family structure like growing up? Uh, you know, brothers and sisters, was your mom and dad in the house? What did that look like? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an only child. Okay. Uh, yeah, no brothers, no sisters. Um I had a, I had a, a happy childhood. I wasn't I wasn't lonely. I wasn't left by myself. My my, my mom took great care of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, spent a hell of a lot of time with me. Loved me, uh, you know, with all her heart. Uh, my dad worked a lot as my mom wasn't working. Uh, he was away from home a lot. He had two jobs that he did. Um, so he he provided, you know. Um, yeah, um, I have. I'm 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 very grateful. Uh, to my youth pretty much i i i, I um uh, still carry with me the friends i made from 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 you know when i was when i was a toddler almost so um no wild stories there you know yeah uh, no that, yeah. Yeah. no no yeah definitely not looking for wild stories i just like to paint the picture of where the yeah. person comes no. from because i think it's you know 
it's real easy. And honestly, I've seen a lot of the press that people have done around this new record. And frankly, all of your previous records where a lot of people assume that you are this, you know, a broken and disturbed individual, which I'm sure there's parts of your life that are broken and disturbed, (laughs) but you know, like not everybody comes from, you know, the depths of hell to write metal or whatever, (laughs) you know? No, 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 no. The breaking yeah. came later, I think. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, no. And what did what did your uh, what did your father do for his two jobs? Uh, he was a mechanic. Uh, okay. He worked on uh, race cars, and he raced cars when he was younger, and then he ch- he switched to being a mechanic. Okay. So he did that, and then he also uh, was like an electro technician. He was like he drove around with a van to people's houses that needed to have their fridge or their oven or their whatever fixed. That okay. was the thing. Yeah. Got it. So he was a, uh, he, he was a man of his, with his hands. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And his yeah. son is a man with no hands. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was going to ask you, Colin, if you had any skills with that, but it sounds like no, you don't. None. <laughs> none. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess as you were, you're growing up and like you said, you had a a very good childhood, Mm -hmm. you know, were you, uh, I guess, an outdoor kid? Were you, you know, playing outside a lot and playing sports or were you more of a, you know, I'm going to read a good book inside? Like, what did you find yourself being? I think if I read uh, one book in my entire childhood, it will be probably a lie. No, I I, I was, uh, (laughs) okay. I, I was outside all the time playing with my action figures. You know, like keeping myself busy, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I um, yeah, I spent I spent time time outside playing with my friends. You know, doing random kid stuff. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, pretty much that was. And then and then we kind of discovered uh, skateboarding in our teens, and that became like the main thing that we 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 dove into from a certain point. Right. And what did, um, cause I know that, uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about, or I'll ask you some more questions about, you know, the Belgian hardcore scene. Cause I know mm-hmm. I've always been fascinated with it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I guess how did, uh, skateboarding come into your life? Was it mostly through, um, you know, just kind of friends tossing it around because, you know, it's not like Belgium is known for skateboarding, like compared no, to no. California, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, I think there was, I don't know, there was, there was a, a skateboarding maybe hype even around, uh, what would it be, uh, the nineties or something? Mm-hmm. Beginning of the nineties, it kind of, it kind of came here. Um, so yeah, and a lot of, 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 of boys of my age were drawn to the thing, you know? So, uh, yeah, and you had the Trasher magazines and the Trans World magazines and you had all the, the videos, the skateboard videos that also had uh, a lot of, you know, different music on, on there that you could discover and, you know, uh, look up and, and, you know, the, the, the tape trading scene back then, you know, so that, that definitely started a whole thing. And then, you know, you got it, you, you were introduced to some bands, uh, like Black Flag and things like that. Um, that were featured a lot in there and, 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 um, and then yeah, we kind of discovered indeed. We kind of we kind of discovered the 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 hardcore scene that was living in our small little rural area. And from then on, yeah, it grew. It was it was very very popular here, and um, it even reached the uh, you know to a European scale pretty much. We had a, a very um, 
prolific scene here uh, in the in the mid nineties. Yeah. Oh no, for sure. I mean, I'm I'm 40 years old, and I remember when I start started getting into punk and hardcore, and started to really, you know, discover stuff besides the Victory Records or Revelation mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, it was just it was so wild to listen to bands like Archangel and Length of Time mm-hmm. and all that. It, it was oh, just like. Yeah. It it, it it didn't make any sense to me of how much stuff was coming out of this little country in Europe. Like it just, it was so weird for me. Yeah, yeah there was a lot, there was a lot going on. We had a lot of bands definitely, and we all inspired each other. And, and it was pretty much yeah, if, every weekend that we all saw each other, you know, and uh, yeah. And from that were born different bands and, and still, you know, still a lot of them are, 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 are in bands and, and, and uh, everybody's still active pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Um, I'll dig into that more in a little bit. But for school, like, did you, I guess, have a a kind of path of what you wanted to, you know, do with your life? Or did you care about school? Or was it pretty much once you discovered music and skateboarding and that whole subculture that the rest of the stuff wasn't that important? Not really, not really. Um, I I know I hated school. That was a fact. Uh, Okay. But, it was not like that I had decided that music and skateboarding would be my uh, my savior and my uh, my thing to do for the rest of my life I, you know I was very aware of the fact that I'd have to I'd have to earn some money at some point so but I didn't have a clue what I wanted to be or or I didn't even know what really interested me back then um but um yeah, so I pretty much, you know, people kind of directed me in what they thought that I should do and stuff. So uh, I was, I was, I was pretty good at school. I mean, I didn't have bad grades or anything, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I think I, um, but I had this. Uh, I always, I, I, I still have, and I always had this fear of failing. And I always, uh, yeah, uh, I always tried to be the best. Uh, the best I could be, you know. I I I was always like afraid of letting my parents down or something. In a way, I don't know where it comes from, but uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna diagnose you here. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think a lot of it, <laughs> the only child syndrome, where because there's that idea that you are the only you know child that. Mm-hmm all of the expectations could be put on you, whether your parents either knew it or didn't know it. Um, I think there is, there is some of that rationale behind that. So <laughs> yeah, it could be, you know, I, maybe yeah. if you have a, an older sibling or something and you see him failing from time to time, you see, you know, he's still alive and, and, and everything's okay. You kind of assume that that could be a possibility. While as you, as you have not had an example, you know, you, yeah, you just, you know, you stare in a blank, in a blank future, you don't really know how it works, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. No, yeah. that's a good point. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as you started to get into, you know, the punk and hardcore and start to bring all of these ideas that your parents probably had no context for, uh, were they, you know, were they concerned about you? Were they like, whoa, what's Colin getting into all this weird, no, you know? No, not really. Okay. My, 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 my parents were really uh, open-minded, you know, they, 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 you know, they didn't like it, you know, they didn't really uh, enjoy the music that I was listening to or, or, you know, like the idea that I was, you know, of, uh, getting piercings or tattoos or getting, you know, my hair colored or whatever that was happening. But um, they didn't, you know, they didn't want to stop it either, you know, they figured, you know, 
you're you're free the the the, the form yourself you know so um they definitely supported me in whatever i was doing but they did you know they did try to persuade me to get a a diploma or get a degree in whatever was possible you know so i could earn money at some point um but uh yeah that was kind of how it went you know but you know Got when it. you're when you're uh yeah when you're 16 years old yeah you have to get get all the shit to rehearse and get to the rehearsals and then you know Sometimes you had to like ask your parents to drive you to to your concert that you had to play. You know that was funny, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, of so, course. Like, right. like, mom, will you drive? You put the our mini amps and all in, in in one car, and your mom drives you to a hardcore show where you try to be as tough as you possibly can on stage. You know, it's funny when you look right. at it now. You know. Yeah, right. Your, your your mom kisses you on the forehead as she drops yeah. you off at the hardcore yeah. show. Yeah, well, we, we let her drop us off like behind the corner or something like that. I, I think I don't really remember, but it was no. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same it's the same idea that you know when when you get into you know high school that if your parents have to take you your first year it's like mom drop me off like a couple blocks away i'll just yeah, walk yeah, up yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah you, don't want, you want that to happen that's true right yeah especially if you have an image to uphold of being a tough oh, hardcore kid yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I mean, I, I'm going to guess that, uh, you know, just kind of uh, from what you project as far as like your music and who you are as a person, you are very, uh, you know, you're very open and uh, thoughtful. Has that always kind of been who you are or, you know, were you like a real shy kid? Uh, you know, oh, yeah. where did you find yourself? Oh, yeah, I was I was uh, I was very shy, very scared and, and very the fear lived inside of me of everything pretty much. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I was very uncertain as well as a kid. Um, so I definitely wasn't wasn't the guy that when he when I came into a room, I, you know, I uh, I I uh, try to have all eyes on me. Uh, so it's 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 a wild idea that I'm standing on a stage now, you know. It, it wouldn't have, I, I, and especially my mother, of, or you know, never really uh, would have thought that I would do that, you know. So uh, it's funny to see the the evolution or or how someone can end up, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm sure 15 year old you would be like, oh yeah, I, one day I'm going to get up on stage and you know impale myself. Like, yeah, of course I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. not at all. Yeah. yeah, no, that didn't cross my mind yet back then. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and so, like you mentioned, with because uh, was Spineless your first band, or did you have other bands before that? Uh, I think I, I might have had one or two before that, but they're not really. There were, yeah, I don't really know what they were, you know. Yeah, it was the introduction to having an instruments around you, probably. But it right. was cool. It was just friends, you know, uh, messing around. Um, and Spineless was the, the first one that we actually had a release, had some releases with and, and had some, some shows and some, to a certain degree, success. Yeah. Sure. And, and did you sing for the band? Yeah, yeah, I was a singer also. And then okay. uh, Matthew Abel. Um, our bass player back then, uh, Christoph and Matthew, uh, guitar player are, uh, were also the ones that I started Amenra with. So, uh, a lot of, of, of the people from Amenra were in that band as well. 
Yeah, I, I did notice that too, where, like you said, um, and I, I really think it is a uh, testimony to how tight your guys' musical scene was, because I think, yes, there are, there that does happen within America of, you know, people, they play in a hardcore band or punk band and then start to, you know, evolve in their own tastes and continue to play together. But I think it's very, like, you know, using an example like a uh, cult of Luna, you know, those guys mm-hmm. have been doing their, you know, genre pushing music for years and years, not too dissimilar mm-hmm. to you guys, but they've all known each other since they were, you know, young, dumb, hardcore kids. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that that's not, that's not very common. <laughs> I think you guys no, are an no, exception. Yeah. I think, I think we can consider ourselves very lucky that we have that we, yeah, we still have the same guys around. So yeah, we, everybody knows each other so well and and you know you 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 almost feel how someone how someone feels that day or whatever you know so a lot of the communication doesn't have to happen because you already know pretty much so and things like that you know yeah you really come come become some sort of brother brotherly uh figures you know you can have you can have fights or or uh bitch about things uh to each other but it doesn't really you know have the impact that it could have you know it's just a matter of a way of you know getting it out there and and it all works you know so yeah yeah that's that's really that's lovely you know yeah it is no i agree and and honestly i think it really does help bands figure out what it is they're trying to accomplish musically and artistically a lot uh I, i wouldn't say easier but they, you, you guys are all willing to trust each other in pushing mm-hmm. boundaries. If one of you has a crazy idea, you'll be like, "Yeah, all right, let's try that." <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know each other so long that you, you, you definitely have a, a trust that you have to. You don't necessarily have when you have a, a newly formed band with members that don't really, really know each other or something. Because it is a hard thing, a, a collective, creative process. I mean, it's a. Uh, and especially in our case, it's not always the, the, the case that, you know, one of us writes a song and, and, and the rest just blindly follows. Uh, it happens from time to time, but sometimes it's really, you know, like a, a collective uh, decision-making process, you know, and there's a lot of dialogue and communication around everything that we do. And that that's not easy uh, if you're not friends or if you don't, you know, know each other very well or whatever. Um, but it makes it very human. And, and I mean, it's, it makes it very rewarding in a way. If you, yeah, if you build things together, then it kind of it 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 feels like it belongs to to everyone to the same degree, you know. So, commitment-wise and stuff, you're very very committed and very, um, yeah, yeah. Well, you're like, right? You're like, well, guys, we have each other, and that's all. That's all we have. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's what we say, you know. I mean, if even if we're not making music and we're having a barbecue together, that's on and off for us, you know. That yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, and and yeah, you already know that that thing is never gonna gonna end. Uh, it's built to last, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's but, it's but, beautiful. But you have to be lucky, I think, if you're friends. You have to be lucky to evolve in the same direction. You know, it you can grow apart. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's only human, I think. Uh, but you have to be lucky if you're in a band together that you, you know, the tastes and the ideas kind of stay uh, compatible, stay, stay, um, yeah, stay uh, mm-hmm. on the same line. So, yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Exactly. Because, you bunch. know, yeah. 
You are, I agree. Oh boy, oh boy. Band merch is the name of the game, and Rockabilia is the place where you can get all of your stuff. What I really like about band merch is that uh, it's not static. It's one of those things where it continually improves. The the blanks that bands print on continually improves, and it's just, it's great. And I love Rockabilia because they stay not only on the trends, but they make sure that they have everything you could possibly want. So please use this promo code 100 words or less, which is obviously the name of the podcast. Use the number 100 and it will get you 10% off your order. 100 words or less, 10% off. Crucial to uh, the support of this show and obviously the support of Rockabilia. It's all officially licensed stuff above the board. They have so many items. You can't even begin to scratch the surface. You can probably spend at least an hour on their website and be able to like maybe understand like 10% of it. (laughs) It's just, it's so, so much fun to just get lost in there. So buy yourself some stuff, buy your friends some stuff, buy your family members some stuff. You will be able to get all of the rad stuff shipped to you immediately. It's a great company. I love working with them. And please use this code 100 words or less 10% off your order and enjoy all of the things you buy from Rockabilia kind of reflecting on the time as you started to play shows with uh, you know spineless and get out and tour a little bit um, and like you said that was a really special time and the I also just love the you know h8000 scene like <laughs> just I, I always love that label um, okay. did you uh, so I'm guessing that you guys kind of felt that momentum and when I say momentum like you noticed all the bands and like you said you were influencing each other but did you feel it making an impact, you know, I guess outside of Belgium and maybe a little bit of Europe, or was that just something that you noticed much later on? No, yeah, you know, you noticed it, you know, because um, there was so much uh, coming out of this small country. I think there was, it was hard to, uh, to not realize. And we had like a, a, a renowned hardcore festival here in a, in a city called Ypres that, you know, always every year there was this annual gathering of, uh, European hardcore crews here in a, in a small village uh, here in Belgium, and that was that was really interesting. It was it was very beautiful to be a part of that and see that uh, connection between uh, all those different nationalities and and yeah, you all you all were the same kind of human, you know. And it was very uh, a very positive and warm environment uh, that we were a part of back then. Especially you know pre pre internet uh, phase, I mean it wasn't so obvious to uh, to chill with a bunch of Swedes or Ita- Italians, you know, and and go skateboarding together uh, somewhere, you know. It wasn't that uh, obvious at 16 years old, so it was very uh, eye opening, and uh, it was a very good uh, learning school for later on as well for for what we do now. Yeah, I I, I think so. I think that uh, you know when you experience that DIY you know, hardcore punk scene and you understand what it's like to put a show together for a hundred of your friends. It's just so much easier to do that in different genres of music, you know, even though the, the logic of, you know, Amon Ra still existing within the heavy music system exists, but you, you know, all of a sudden, and I'm sure you've met bands that are, don't have that experience. And you're like, well, yeah, we just sleep on the floor and some bands are like, yeah, so bands yeah. are like, what? What are you talking yeah, about? That's also <laughs> obvious for us, and that and that reflects uh, that 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 um, ends up in 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 a, in a very uh, large amount of gratitude for everything that you have, you know. 
uh, yes. or that you get you know, every possibility you get, every show offer you get, every every positive mail you get, whatever you know uh, is is a reward, and you want to acknowledge that and respect that, you know. And and I think that's definitely something that um, that formed how we work, you know, like to not think that things will fall in, in on your lap and to 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 give and take, you know, not only take but also give and and build build a community you know hands and forth with different people different countries and really building a scene almost you know and that's yeah i i always look back with uh very very uh nice thoughts you know uh yeah what um i i also i'm going to kind of compare and contrast the um i know the experiences within like these different hardcore scenes around the world like i know in sweden it was a very, you know, like as refused and, you know, Colt Luna and all that's all those bands started to play together. Those shows got really, really big, you know, like mm-hmm. five, six, 700 kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, yes, the hardcore scene was clearly big here in America as well. Like did, was the scene in your area pretty big or was there just yeah. a lot of bands? Okay. No, no, it was at, at the, the, you know, at the most popular uh, period, there was, all, yeah, it was definitely, you know, six, uh, eight or 900 people that chose. Yeah. And then, yeah, we also had, uh, obviously touring bands that played on our shows then, but we were yep. so, we were so infatuated by our own self, I guess that, you know, the, the, the most popular bands were not necessarily the, 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 the touring bands or the, or the, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was it was it was funny to see. It was like, and we didn't. It's like we didn't know any better either, you know. Um, but it was nice to, yeah, to meet different people uh, and have them sleep in your uh, in your house on on the, on the floor. And and uh, and it's it's cool now that you still run into those people. Like uh, like like now, I remember. Um, uh, Anyway, I met up with someone that had slept in my living room, you know, uh, a, a couple of years ago. That was funny. You know, like, like 20, 20 years later, you meet yeah. each other again and you don't really realize it until after a while. And there we go, like, hey, shit, you know, you, you slept in my living room. That was funny. <laughs> anyway, but that's the hardcore scene for you, you know. It just, it, you know, you're connected pretty much for life. I, I, well, <laughs> here it is that way, you know. Yeah. Oh, I, no, I, I agree. What were some of those, um, I guess, international, uh, or not even, doesn't have to be international, but bands outside of Belgium that came through on tour um, that you guys, like, you know, played with or, or, or went to the shows for? Yeah, definitely a big influence on our scene was Integrity and Clevo Hardcore, Integrity Ring Warms, things like that. Um, yep. Because uh, they were mixing up the metal with the with the hardcore, and that was definitely a style that that wasn't copied, but definitely a lot of of, of bands here really loved loved the aspect of the metal in there, and and that that was uh, pretty much the main style of music uh, and the end of the nineties here. Um, but like yeah, like um, I, I really loved the band Catharsis as well. That, oh yeah, uh, and and they hung out here a lot in in in, in my city and um, yeah, so yeah, you get to know each other and um, and it's nice. And I'm thinking, yeah, you had a lot of state of the nation, lifetime. Uh, oh yeah, right, uh, right. Well, because you you also had the uh, I mean, you know, nations on fire. Like that was also yeah. a band that. Yeah. 
yeah, they brought so much influence over to, you know, America and like that whole ebullition record scene and like so many bands that were even more DIY than like, you know, an integrity, like catharsis, like that's a prime example. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. We had that before that. That's fact. Yeah. But then, yeah. you, like I said, you had uh, zillions of other bands that uh, that came from other countries. Like indeed, uh, you had the whole Yumia Sweden scene uh, with uh, Abinanda and Donuts and Serene and Separation. Anyway, so yep. you know, you you kind of saw each other every year, uh, and uh, yeah, from from all over Europe. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and so as you started to, you know, put together, you know, Amin Ra and figure out what you wanted to accomplish with that, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, a lot of it was just an offshoot of wanting to do m- different music than what you were doing in Spineless, mm-hmm. um, but also explore how you could express that in not only music, but then, you know, I, I would define you guys as you know, performance art where it's like, once you started to feel comfortable with like, we can include all of this other stuff besides yeah. just us playing heavy music. Mm-hmm. Um, was that, I guess, kind of the intention originally, or did you find that like, yeah. as you started to progress? Uh, it formed itself as we progressed, but the idea was there from the beginning. We knew that we wanted to not be just a band for the sake of making sound. You know, we really wanted to use the medium of music to its uh, to its full extent, in a way, we didn't really know yet what that was, uh, but we we knew that we wanted to to incorporate way more than just sound. Um, and I don't know that grew. I think from from like end end of the nineties, I, I, I and for me personally, I realized that the things that I was singing about weren't necessarily the things that that were on my mind you know like i followed certain themes uh that that were you know uh that that were there in the scene you know like most bands were singing about the same the same stuff whatever um so i knew i was made to to be more personal you know like tell a more emotion driven story instead of a political one or i don't know um and then our bass player Christoph started uh, studying. On, on, uh, he went to an art school, and then things slowly started to fall together. You know, like aesthetics being important, and it all having it all needing to be uh, linear. You know, like it all needed to be fully connected or as connected as could be. Uh, be it the lyrics and the content and the aesthetics and the music and you know and and. Yeah, it needed to be, you know, as as good as we possibly could make it, you know, at that time. Uh, that was the ambition, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I think also it, you know, it speaks to your ideas being greater than what you can actually execute at that mm-hmm. time. <laughs> because yeah. that's like, that's like every band, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, that's what I think as well. That's the red thread throughout our existence. Always, always. Lay, setting the bar just that little too high for you, you know, but getting away with it and then moving on, setting it a little higher again. And it's, yeah. 
Yeah, no, and that's really, I think that's important for, I mean, not only bands like you guys, but many other people who are creating art to always have that thing just a little bit out of reach to be like, we can never do this. And then all of a sudden you do it. And then it's like, well, what's, what's next? It just yeah, needs to be a little bit farther. That's what, yeah, that's what makes it interesting. Obviously. I mean, that's, that's what ins- that can inspire you. It's, it's important to be critical. It's important to be, to not be your biggest fan, you know, to, to, yeah. to analyze and, and we do, you know, we, we do the opposite. We break it down. As soon as we have made something that we fully stand behind, we realize, you know, if we all agree that this is worth existing, you know, we go for it. And as soon as it's done, we break it down like, okay, what can be done better? And what, you know, what was, what was a bad idea and blah, blah. And, and that's what makes it interesting. I mean, we're very used to that way of working. It's very, uh, it's very un, uh, unrewarding in a way because there's a lot of, of, um, we never pat each other on the back. You know, we always talk about the things <laughs> that could, that could be better. And, uh, that makes it sometimes hard to, to, to function in our, in our midst. Cause, cause you know, it's, it's always about what you did wrong and what could be done better, but in a good way, not, not, not necessarily uh, talking down on someone, not at all, but just, you know, trying to be the best as we possibly can and pushing each other towards, you know, places that we didn't thought were possible. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to guess too that you know, as uh, you know, the the more the earlier years of you know Amin Ra, where you were putting everything out and together, you, you know, you were existing in real life, like you guys were working jobs, and mm-hmm. you know, you were never, and maybe arguably, like I, I don't I don't know now if you would define yourself as like a full time band, um, mm-hmm. or, or or maybe you are, but how, how I guess how important was that for you guys to have? both parts of your life functioning together the you know not not like you're on tour 300 days out of the year but that you are touring more actively but not so much to where you wouldn't even have a life at home yeah it, it, it was definitely important for it to be a passion before anything else for so so long you know so you know why you're doing it because if you keep on doing it despite the fact that you don't have any money or you, or, or no, no money enough to do it or you know, that the reward that you get is, is just doing it, you know, and, and, and for the, the, the sake of, uh, of, of just needing to get it out of your system or, or that makes it, um, that makes it important. I think, I think it's harder for, for, for someone to like drop out of school and decide to make it in music, for example. Uh, I think you end you might end up taking the wrong decisions faster, you know, um, to, to, you know, like lose your integrity or, or your uh, main, your main reason why you wanted to make music or something. Um, and I think it was important as well for, for, uh, for our kids to like, see that you can, that dad can have a job, you know, and then do his thing with his friends or follow his passion afterwards, you know, everything, all of it is possible. It's not necessarily that you have to make a choice in life, you know. Uh, but I have to say now for the last three years, I think, it has become my full-time job because it, it, it became so much to handle, you know. Uh, if you have a full-time job and you have you have kids and stuff, you know, if you have to start doing everything uh, at 8 or 9 uh, PM when the kids are in their bed, you know, it's, it's very, it's very hard if you want to do everything decently. 
So we had to make some choices, and 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 most of us now are focusing on music, and several other other side projects. And uh, and but our drummer is still actively working his ass off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. no, that that that's cool that you're able to grow into that because mm-hmm. it actually, I know that uh, specifically, and you can educate me on this, but I know that most countries in Europe have a you know, a much better appreciation of the arts in regards to actually funding, you know, like getting government grants and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Whereas in America, we don't have any of that. Like we don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So have you, have you guys been able to like do that and get supported by the government from that perspective? Only, only the last years, I think, because, because we don't really play a style of music that is, that was, uh, right. Yeah, you know, I have to say now we've we've in in, in Belgium and, and and around here we've come to that. There is no denying anymore that we're there and that we're doing something that moves people or whatever around. You know, so they yeah. kind of they can't walk walk around us anymore. So so there is no choice that they that they that they should support us. It doesn't always happen, but um, definitely it's something that we could that we could count on. But we, but that's the hardcore side of things pretty much let us not do take advantage, advantage of that for a very, very long time. And we tried to manage everything ourselves without, you know, having to count on others to keep us alive, you know. Uh, yeah. That's why we did the jobs uh, for so long. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, and I, I there is that, um, especially within punk and hardcore, that idea of, uh, you know, getting supported by, uh, you know, government funding or whatever, where it's like, well, it's great that they have that, but there's a lot of things that I don't agree with on the government. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to take their money, you know? So I yeah, understand yeah. where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True. Uh, so what were you doing for, you know, your work as you were, you know, developing your family and, uh, you know, uh, doing the band and everything? Yeah. I, 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 um, I'm a social worker. Normally, okay. so I I, uh, I went to school to be a social worker, and then I worked in uh, in psychiatry. Is that correct? Yes, uh, psychiatry uh, for uh, for a while. Uh, so I was like uh, uh, rehabilitating uh, people who were in uh, like psychiatric wards for uh, for a while. You know, I, I help them find their way back into society and and help them out whatever I could and. So uh, I did that for a while, but uh, then I realized as a band, the band was taking a lot of time, obviously. Um, I realized, like when I when I had to go on tour or, 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 or play shows or anything, I realized that I couldn't, uh, I couldn't hold up to my responsibility towards the people that I was working with, you know. I, I, I needed to be there constantly or not you know they 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 needed to be able to count on me wherever wherever they needed to so i realized that i had to change jobs um for to be able to do it decently and and keep on doing the band obviously so then i switched i i, I went to work in like a, a skate shop a skateboard shop uh like a clothing streetwear shop sure. kind of thing so uh i did that for uh I don't know, 13 years or almost 15 years, I think. Um, so yeah, I ended up managing the store and then uh, we had several stores in the city and then I I drew in uh, Matthew, our guitar player, so he was running another store so we could, and then we had friends, I don't know if you know the band Rise and Fall that was oh, yes. on uh, Deathwish. Then Vincent, yep. Vincent, the bass player, also worked with us 
and then we had this mechanism that we would have each other's back when when someone was on tour and we filled in and so uh yeah we could um so the 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 boss couldn't see that we were like you know not doing our right. jobs like we like we should have but um no it was it was a good, it was a nice time i mean uh, yeah we were you know when we came back from a show in london for example at 7 a.m. and we had to work at 9 you know we just went opened the store and slept in the stock room and someone else was in the store so it was funny anyway right. so yeah so i did i did a job where i could you know close the close the door behind me and 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 have the liberty to work on the bands and and everything during the day and 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 whenever i needed to so that's pretty much what I what I did uh, until right. it, it wasn't possible anymore to do everything. Well, I, I think that's really. Uh, I mean, not only is it really smart of you because the idea of not being able to uh, be relied on from a you know support perspective was smart because yeah, most people that tour in bands they work in those jobs that are you know record stores, bagel yeah. shops, like stuff where it's like okay, I'm gonna be gone for two months like you know joe can you fill in my shifts and he's like yeah, yeah but you can't do that for mm. human beings like you have to be yeah, there for it's that. Harder. yeah it just doesn't really you can do that but that wouldn't make you very uh yeah, that would make selfish. you a lousy, a lousy human being yeah yes <laughs> very true very true um and uh the idea of touring because you've you know done it for a long period of time now and i know you've toured the states and you've had a lot of different experiences with that um do you like tour do you like uh, i mean i know that you've expressed in interviews that there's a lot of things that you do and in the moment with the band, you're usually like, Oh, I don't like recording when I'm doing it, or I don't like touring while I'm doing it. I just want to do the other thing. Um, or have you always liked tours? That's been an enjoyable process for you. Um, yeah, it's double. I think I have both, both, uh, both things I have. I love it. And I have an aversion towards it as well in a way that, um, I love being, being, um, being together with my friends, you know, in a bus or, or in a van or in whatever we, we, we are at that time. And, you know, be being, have, yeah, visiting other countries, new territories, adventure, you know. Um, and I love meeting, meeting new people. I'm always interested, like, to, to, to meet new people from, you know, yeah, different countries, other cultures, whatever, see how it works out there. And, um, but the the physical side of the of the playing shows is not really something I like, in that sense that uh, it, it 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 yeah, it's very uh, it's very uh, yeah I don't know um, physically it's very hard to do uh, everything hurts or necks or backs or everything you know is sore right uh, it's rather uh, yeah our live shows are are, are very very physical. And, um, yeah, if you do it a couple of times, uh, you pretty much can't really move your head around anymore for, for the rest of the, of the tour. So anyway, so touring, uh, yeah, I love it. And, and, and it's, it's hard at the same time. And then you're away from sure. home, obviously, you know, your kids yeah. and stuff. It's, uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah it's, you know, all the, all the different worlds have their, their beautiful things and, and, uh, yeah, it's it's. I see it as we, that's what we're meant to do out here. You know, that's what we're put here on Earth for. So that's what we do. You know, right? Well, and I think too because the way I mean, <laughs> there are so many bands that uh, you end up enjoying them much more when you see them live. Mm-hmm. But I think 
for your guy, I mean, I'm speaking only for myself because I have not seen you live. I know that the way that people speak about your live show is like, oh yeah, the records, like they're good. But once you see them live, like you'll understand the band. And and I think that that is a, uh, you know, that, like you said, you were, we were put here to do this and Mm. the expression of this art is most accurately represented in the live show. Yeah. We'll always be a live band. I mean, it's yeah, it's something you have to feel instead of you know getting it explained or the theory of it or I don't know. It's it's everything together. You know, it's the live visuals. You know, we, we use live visuals. It's the uh, it's the atmosphere in the room. It's the moving the air. You know, it's the it's the the look in, in everyone's eyes. I don't know. Not that, you know, not, it's not orchestrated at all, but I mean, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it translates from human to human, you know, you have to feel the humidity in the air and, and the spit and the, 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 the snot has to fly in all directions, you know, it's a, it's almost an animalesque experience, you know, it's, um, I, I, uh, it's hard to, yeah. to explain it. It's really something that needs to be felt. Yeah. It's an ex- yeah. experience based music. It's so emotionally driven that seeing it being performed adds to that emotion, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's hard to explain. It's a very abstract matter. Absolutely. Well, I, I think it's really the same idea as when, you know, you're 16 years old and your parents hear music that is yelling and they're just mm-hmm. like, oh, this is terrible. Like you, you can't, you no, cannot no. describe yeah, you can't describe why this aggressive music, you yeah. know, speak like it speaks to a person that doesn't care about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah, true. Yeah, so, you cannot explain that. Yeah, either, either you right. understand, either you understand that and connect with it, or you don't, and and everything's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, you're very right. You're very right. Um, la- last two things I wanted to hit on was the, um, you know, I know you've spoken openly about, you know, your, your father dying and that was very much a important part on, you know, this record and, or well, uh, your life once that yeah. happened, yeah. um, what did you also reflect on it in regards to, um, cause I, I know you have children, how, I guess, how many children do you have? Two. Do you have two or yeah. two? Okay. Um, did you reflect on that in regards to the relationship that, you know, they uh, had with your father, their grandfather? Like how, did, how did that kind of, uh, you know, come in your head as well? Yeah. That, well, they, yeah, they, they never, they never really knew him. So um, I don't know. Yeah. It's an entity, you know, it's an abstract being, my father, you know, <laughs> for the, for the kids, obviously, but uh, yeah, yeah. Obvi- yeah, naturally you do that, you know, I mean, uh, for half of my life, I was always, um, yeah, the main, the main, yeah, the, the, that kind of loss at uh, in in your teenage years or in your early life, especially I think when you come out of um, a protected environment, you know, like I did, you know, there was I hadn't really endured anything severe of a severe nature in my, until my, you know, until I was 20 or something. Uh, so that really shook my world in a way that was, you know, wild. I had to like readjust my view on life, you know? Uh, yeah. I had to like find my new position on, I knew that not, yeah, everything was not, everything was going to be perfect from then on in a way, you know? Uh, 
mm-hmm. and everything you 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 bitched about when you were before that is 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 uh, is nothing anymore. You know, you realize that every, your all the things that you were sad about meant nothing in comparison to that that uh, type of, of of loss and grief. Um, anyway, so it definitely formed me, and it definitely um, decided for me what what my story would become. You know, and. Um, and obviously, when you have kids, the whole dynamic shifts. You know, you, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a father for twenty years and uh, for thirty years in my life. Uh, I'm a son, and then I shift into being a father. You know, uh, uh, without having uh, a, a father yourself to ask to ask shit. Uh, ask yeah. Things to, you know. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I, I mean, it's it definitely. Um, for me and um, inspires me and 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 drives me to to yeah to a very yeah. large extent. <clears throat> no, absolutely, and I think that because yeah, it wasn't clear exactly when your uh, when your father died, but um, yeah, the, the, I mean, the reason I asked that, I mean, I'm my father died before my I have one child and before he was born, mm-hmm. and yes, you you articulated it very well where you when you go to this role where you are being a father, but then you don't have, you know, maybe a stepfather or someone else to mm-hmm. ask where it's like, is this normal? Like, did you, did I do this when I was younger or whatever? It's yeah. like, you, you do feel that, that vacancy pretty yeah, large. Yeah. And, I, and, and even if they would still be around, maybe we, would, we wouldn't even ask them. I don't know, you know, but yeah, uh, it's, it's true. It's true. It's just this, yeah, this uh, vacant place in your heart or in your existence that, yeah, it's just the, the the possibility of 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 being able to address someone uh uh is is gone you know and and mm-hmm. definitely it 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 marks every big moment in your life i guess you know okay it diminishes after 20 years obviously it's it's not that intense anymore uh, after a while but you know that that em- that empty space that empty chair is is always there obviously yeah uh, absolutely Absolutely. Yeah, and I think yeah, that's that's in a way I think that's that's a very interesting um thing that that empty space or that, you know, that loss or that whatever it is because every sure. every human being will encounter that at some point in his life. So mm-hmm. it is something that belongs to all of us that that feeling, you know. Yes, that that universal feeling of mm-hmm. okay, this is a vacant space, and what do I uh, not like? What do I replace it with, or what do I fill it with? But how do I um, operate? It. Yeah, I'll, yeah, exactly. How do you, how yeah, do yeah. You, that's that's the that's the that's the the most intense thing about about these things. That those are the types of things that happen in a human life where you just have to accept it. There is no there is no possibility to do something about it. You know, you just have to learn and live with it. You know, take it in. So that's uh, yep. that's definitely uh, something that is is very inspirational. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and on that same idea, uh, the last thing I wanted to ask was, you know, the, the fact that you're you, you've been able to accomplish a lot of very very interesting and unique things for bands that are in heavy music. From you know, uh, I know the the statue and effigy that you had in Belgium and, you know, Mm -hmm. burning it. And like, you've just, you guys have been able to do a lot of frankly weird things for for a heavy band because you know, that 
it's just not common. Um, and then, you know, this far into your guys' career to release your first record on like relapse and like have all these things that maybe bands that haven't been around for 20 years have been able to do. Um, so is it interesting for you to like, as these new experiences pop up to, always kind of em- embrace the uh the the weirdness of them to be like oh sure like yeah we'll sign with relapse for this record because we've worked with the same label for the past you know 15 years of our existence like mm-hmm. how do you kind of uh, approach those decisions as they come up a lot of our decisions are very are very made in the moment or in the period of time there is no there is no really big master plan or or a long term structure that has been determined um so we pretty much follow our, our gut feeling or, or whatever we think that needs to be done at that time for the sake of the band and, and, and what we are trying to, to tell the people, you know. Um, but it's, it, it does blow our minds that what we already have done, and indeed they're not, the, not always the most conventional things, but it makes perfect sense in our, in our story and in our journey, you know. It, 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 and more and more, it all kind of falls together, and it, it all makes sense. Uh, yeah, it's like that the idea that we that we that we had twenty years ago is now becoming a reality in a way, you know. Uh, but it's what drives us. I mean, the the, the the keep on looking for new ways, or 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 just to, to tell that that one story, you know. Uh, yeah, we're very grateful to be to have all those things still happening to us after 20 years, you know, and even more and more. Yeah, well, it, it is exciting, and I appreciate you saying it like that, where we are reacting to these scenarios and situations as they come up, as opposed to, like you said, we have a plan for our art, but we don't know how people how opportunities will come up in reaction to our art. That's something we can't control. So we're just going to, you know, take all these things as they come as opposed to a huge overarching plan. Yeah. Well, and and it's also, I think it's, it's, it's kind of how we function. Uh, Expectations. We never set them too high. You know, we set the bar high, but we never try to put our expectations high. So we don't, you know, uh, end up disappointing ourselves. Because we, yeah, like we're never happy. It's always, it's always like that. So we're happy with what comes our way. You know, we embrace, like you said, we embrace everything that is handed to us and, and, and all the opportunities that we get. And we, you know, try to find ways to do what we, to get our ideas done and, and, and find ways to, yeah, organize those, those, those ceremonies and rituals and things and, you know, get it done. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's cool, and it, I think it's inspiring because a lot of people do look to uh, you know bands and other artists that are creating uh, things that are not on the common path. Where it's like, oh yes, I'm a band that gets signed to a record label, and then I start to tour, and then you know the conventional path. It's like mm-hmm. there's other paths. It's not easy, but there are other paths. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, there are there are a lot of them, and you know they're and they're endless. So you just have to find them or just, you know, start walking on them. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you'll get lost for a while, but hopefully yeah. eventually you'll find it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. yeah. Yeah. Well, Colin, thank you so much for hanging out. I honestly really appreciate you letting me uh, ask yeah. all this random stuff yeah. to you. No, thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate your, your time and effort, man. Thank you. There you have it. That was Colin. That was Amon Ra. That is the whole experience. But not the whole experience, because you can listen to the record and you can get even more insight into this 
great human being and their artistic output. So please listen to Amon Ra. That is just like, that is a prerequisite at this point. <clears throat> Next week, I have a boundary pusher. And this guy is a legend within the Salt Lake City scene. His name is Gentry Densley. He plays in a band called Iceburn. And uh, he, I'm just amazed by him because he's been able to be attached to the sort of hardcore and metal scene for so many years. And everyone that has run across him has been like, oh, the dude's a genius. <laughs> like there's, I don't, I don't think I've met a person that knows him that's like, oh yeah, like, you know, he's just okay at music because uh, yeah, he's always been pushing the boundaries of what heavy music can sound like. And uh, Iceburn is one of those bands that's just continually been in my my listening habits, you know, all the way from their first victory release. And they're, they're I think their Rise and Fall 7-inch, if I'm not mistaken. But anyways, Gentry is on the show next week. And uh, until then, please be safe, everybody.